Only on a Sunday, a podcast about more than church. Welcome to the Only on a Sunday podcast. My name is Daniel Lowry, and I'm joined by my wife, Kristen. Hello. This season, we are focusing on deconstructing church, where the church has been and where it's going. And in this episode, we have the privilege of interviewing Andy Ashworth. Andy grew up in the industrial northern English city of Bradford, where he was brought up in a Christian home and attended the local Anglican church. He generally found church quite boring as a child until he attended a youth festival called Soul Survivor, where he encountered a living, powerful, miraculous God who loved him. It was in a meeting at this festival when he was 17 years old that he really, truly gave his life to Jesus. He had always wanted to be a doctor and went to medical school in Glasgow, Scotland, where he met his wife, Julie. After graduating and working as a doctor for a couple of years, he believed he felt the call of God into ministry. He took a, quote, break from medicine to pursue worship ministry and ended up in a church plant in Glasgow called Re-Hope. He worked there for 11 years while also pioneering a worship recording nonprofit called Record Music. And in 2017, Andy left Rehope to pursue planting a church or a network of churches that had the potential to reach the vast majority of the population in Scotland that would never step through the doors of a church. This endeavor became known as The Gathering, which he co-leads with his friend and co-laborer, Adam Penketh. Andy and his wife, Julie, who is a palliative care doctor, have been married for 14 years and have three children, Molly, Sophie, and Zach. So fun. I'm so happy to have you, Andy. And it's so great to be here. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. It's so exciting to hear about how it's the same spirit all over the world, right? Mm -hmm. We're just really excited to have you. We have been starting every podcast off with a funny ministry story because, as we all know, (laughs) when you've been in church long enough, church is a very funny place. Um, So we'd love to hear, if you've got one, we'd love to hear a funny ministry story. Sure. I mean, I was a worship pastor for 11 years, and I feel like worship ministry is where most ministry fail memes come from (laughs) (laughs) i've had a few yeah um i think one funny one i I think back in the when was this maybe kind of late 2000s so before like before the iphone before like proper smartphones i had this new this new kind of smartphone which had like a media button on the front of it and if you press the media button it just starts playing music and i had it in my pocket while i was leading worship and I got like halfway through this song and I could hear this music coming through my like in-ear monitors. I'm just like, what is that? Like who's, I was, I was starting to get cross, you know, cause I thought somebody was, someone's ringtone was going off. And so I'm leading this worship song just being like, come on, we're having a moment with God here. Who's got their phone on? Just getting more and more irate. And I, I got about halfway through the song and realized, oh, that's not, 
that's me that's so it was <laughs> but the oh, thing God. is the phone was pressed up against my guitar and was coming through my guitar pickup oh no out the speakers and it was in a different key to the song no. that was playing and it's, it sounded horrible yeah. so I, just, I, I rushed through the song and then you know just kind of let the last chord ring out and quickly dug into my pocket and turned off the phone and yeah. Well, one other quick one, actually, this one was a little bit, <laughs> I feel a little bit more embarrassed about. We were in this really kind of intense prayer ministry time once when me and actually Adam, my co-leader, um, we were ministering to this guy about really, it was like really deep stuff. And and we got to this point where we were asking him to kind of pray some like out loud prayers, it's deliverance ministry kind of stuff. And I just, I got a fit of the giggles. And so oh, he was, he no. was, he was like confessing this really deep, these deep things and i was just cracking up laughing like completely inappropriately <laughs> I, had to, I ended up having to like leave the room really quick just before it got far too awkward oh so my there's a little sample little sample of my ineptitude <laughs> <laughs> that's fabulous no, i uh, no. yeah remind me not to have you in any of my prayer meetings all right yeah, yeah. I, it's, it's a bad <laughs> idea <It's> yeah. a, <laughs> um keep around too much yeah. Well, thanks, Andy. Uh, certainly love to having you on. Uh, I know Kristen and I have a, a really deep heart for, for Europe. We've, we've been to, you know, England numerous times, Italy, France, Austria, Switzerland, um, Poland. Um, really love what God is doing there. It's a, it's a dark, dark place, spiritually speaking, but we're always uh, in awe that God still has people there that call upon his name and are trying to do the work of the ministry. And so, yeah, I mean, before we even get started, we just want to just bless you and say thank you and go, go for it. <laughs> you know, it's, it's great. And we just believe for a big revival in Europe. That, that's, yeah. that's what we pray for. We pray for often. So, yeah. Uh, so it was uh, probably, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago. Um, I was kind of calendaring this season of the podcast and trying to figure out, you know, what we were going to say, what topics we were going to cover, uh, knew we wanted to interview some people. And I had a few people lined up and Kristen runs in and she's like, honey, 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 you got to listen to, you got to read this blog post. It's fabulous. And, and I was like, okay, you know, who is it? I don't know. Some guy, Andy, he's from Scotland and <laughs> he's saying everything we've been saying. So I was like, okay, great. So I read it and, and I was like, wow. I mean, it's, it's like almost the same terminology um, that you used in that article. Article. And so I, I was like, let's let's contact him and see if he'll do it. And so, yeah, you graciously said yes. And um, so I'm really excited to hear all the stuff going on. So yeah. uh, with that being said, let's just kind of start. We'd love to get to know you a little bit. So tell us a little bit about your church upbringing, what your experiences were with church, how God met you, kind of those kinds of that story. Sure, sure. So um as you you read out in the bio, so I grew up in a, a this kind of smallish city in northern England called Bradford, which is actually quite a it's it's a place of probably some of the most racial tension in in the UK. There's a huge Pakistani Asian population that live in Bradford, and largely that's that's really great and it goes really well. And um, but it is, has been a place of kind of racial friction. That's so why I grew up in a part of Bradford that was just on the on the edge of, of kind of one of these 
places where the kind of white population and the the Pakistani Asian population were, were mixing. And I went to a a Anglican church that was that was by the time I went to it was really in the middle of of a, a Muslim Asian area of the city. So my memories of going to church were really this odd these odd memories of 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 going to this very white like very welcoming family church that largely seemed irrelevant to, to, to me as a certainly as a yeah. <laughs> as a kid and even as a you know as a teenager I, I remember just kind of hiding under the pew eating sweets I guess you guys call them candies not really paying a lot of attention to what was going on and also just feeling feeling the oddness of the of the of the friction in the area as well so we used to walk down to this church and it just felt very different and odd and that, that we would be doing this very this thing we'd be having church in this area that was completely disconnected really to the the community that was living around it and, and that was kind of my experience of of church I, the, the the church family was incredibly welcoming i loved it um and the people were great um, but in terms of the actual content of what was happening i, I didn't feel a lot of connection to it until until these new youth leaders arrived when I was about 11 or 12 and they took over the youth group. And then a couple of years later, I joined that youth group and they really were my first kind of spiritual mentors other than my parents. And um, they took us down to Soul Survivor, which is this conference in um, Southern England. And I remember going to the first meeting uh, at this. I just thought it was a big kind of party camp. I didn't really realize what I was going to. Just it was fun. I got to wake, go away from my parents for a week, yeah. and um, it's like yay. Yeah, um, when you're eleven, right? Twelve. Right. Like yeah, I was, like, yeah, I was like twelve or thirteen. So I, I went down to this camp, and we, see, you know, we set up our tent, and then all the crowds of people going to this meeting. You're like, what's going on? You go, and I, I went into this meeting, and it was around about the time of the. Um, do you remember that big movement that was happening in Canada, the kind of airport vineyards? The oh yeah. Um, yeah. Oh. Um, the gold, the gold dust, and yeah, so there was lots uh, yeah. of crazy stuff going on, and some yeah. of that was, so some of what was happening there was having influence what was happening at Soul Survivor that year, and not in a bad way. I, I, I wasn't really aware of what was happening in Canada, but the meeting that I went to was incredibly genuine, seemed very, yeah, not fake or false at all, but crazy things were happening, like people being healed and people were like literally just being slain and they'd start the worship and half the room would just fall over. And I just couldn't, wow. I'd never, I'd never experienced anything like that. I was, I was just in awe of what was happening, but I, I sensed in my spirit that it wasn't a bad thing that was happening. And so I just became very curious then. And up until that point, God was just something that grown-ups talked about, you know, um, but then God became very real to me very quickly. And so that, that was really my childhood experience. Then I had this Anglican church at home that I kind of went to. And then every summer we'd go down to this this conference and I felt I would just, I would grow and I would learn. And and then we, but we'd have the youth group back at home and our youth leaders were great. So the, my youth group was really where I kind of That's learned cool. about God and learned to expect the miraculous. And yeah, so that was kind of my upbringing. Yeah. So did you, did you have any sort of like at the time, like I'm, I'm, you're going to this soul survivor event, you're seeing mm. like the move of God, but then you're going back to kind of local church life and mm. like, are you, are you not seeing it there, you know, and you're just kind of experiencing that, that move of God once a year, <laughs> you know? Well, like, yeah, I, I mean, that's mostly true. Yes. I think that 
although it's all Anglican, so like the the sole survivor movement was happening within the Anglican Church. Our bit of Anglicanism, where we were, were not really that interested in it. Not the main leaders of the church, and so our youth group would have those conversations would have you know times of prayer and ministry and you know get into the bible together and to, so that was really where i was fed you know spiritually but but actually really the, the 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 renewal and what some people were calling revival at the time that was happening in england was really happening further down south in england it wasn't happening as much up in the north where we were and so when we went down to those conferences it's almost like we were getting a taste of that renewal and you you know and you could sense it and and it, and it was renewing something in me, maybe even not renewing because it was the first time it was like it was birthing something in me, you know, and, and a, an awareness of the spirit of God. And so, yeah, it, there was definitely quite a big contrast between those two things. Yeah. So so you're you're how old at this time? You're about 17. Somewhere yeah, so around it, there? all through all my teenage years, that was kind of the so for age 13 to 17, that was really the pattern of kind of Christian life, really, for me at a solid Christian home, a church that was uh, a bit disconnected. Yeah. So then you, you, you're, you're on to uni or college. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, uni. yeah. You're on to uni and uh, you get kind of get this call, you feel like towards uh, the medical profession. Yeah. So I felt that my whole life, like as a kid, I always, that was always what I wanted to do. So I went to university and, and actually the, the Christian community that I got involved with the university was much more conservative so in some ways that was good it kind of like helped me kind of work out some theological things but it was also a bit of a wrestle you know with that and I felt my faith becoming quite dry but I really enjoyed university enjoyed studying and but but when I came out the other end of university so obviously I met my wife I was even still going to Soul Survivor for um, a while during university and other things as well when I came out the other end of, of uni and I was working, I was quite dry spiritually and and the church we were going to was incredibly conservative and cessationist, very, very different to like my spiritual roots. And it was actually in that place where I was feeling just a bit, just kind of disconnected from church and faith and God that I actually felt God called me into ministry, which is a really weird thing to happen. I wasn't very, I didn't feel alive or awake to the spirit when that happened it actually felt more like a crisis um that this call came and i just i didn't know what to do with it so yeah university was was a really great time i really enjoyed it a lot um but from a an experience of church point of view it's quite a stagnant time okay so by cessationist you mean uh the church isn't really believing promoting uh, the gifts of the spirit healing yeah, absolutely. Like yeah, yeah, the, 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 absolutely. And, and I think that really in Glasgow at the time, most churches were like that, you know, that, that, that they'd rejected anything that had a whiff of supernatural nature of God about it. Um, okay. and church so that's the, that's the church dynamic in Glasgow at the time? It's just at the time that was, yeah. Theology, the, yeah. Yeah, it was, just, it was like faith was a was a intellectual pursuit, not a, hmm. not, an, not something to be you know experienced in in such a way i think yeah okay okay um no i i think that that part you say about the call where you, you know you you re, you receive this call you're not really like on fire for jesus so to speak. no you know like no. you're not like oh my god i went on a missions trip and now i want to plant a church and and so i know that there are people listening to this who who may feel um, kind of that spiritual dryness instead but they still have 
like they can't get away from that call you know yeah like could you just maybe talk a little bit more about like that wrestling time in your life yeah yeah absolutely i i think i was just i was just a bit spent at the time and we've been in glasgow for a long time i was in quite intense job as a junior doctor very tired lots of hours at the hospital was quite angry i think just was probably not at a place in my life where i was able to cope with that very well struggling with church it was very dry and because of my hours i would hardly ever make it and so there's all these things that were just kind of all converging at once it just made it i made it very difficult spiritually I wasn't at a point where I was ready to like pack in believing in Jesus, but it just all felt very dry and very just going through the motions, um, as I'm sure many of us have felt in different stages of our lives. But it was in that place, actually, when I was right in the middle of that, that I felt God's call into worship ministry, which is such a bizarre thing and just felt like such a bizarre thing. And worship ministry, I know in the States, worship ministry is a thing. Worship ministry in Scotland was not a thing. Like, mm. there was no churches big enough to even have that really as a thing, you know. Yeah, interesting. So I felt this call to something that was quite specific and very, felt impossible when I was in a spiritually dry place. And I had to kind of wrestle with that for a few months and, you know, I'd go speak to people and, you know, people that I respected, some people that I respected in the church that we were in, and you know, they obviously had no box for it at all. And they were, you know, they were nice, but I don't think they really understood or got it, <laughs> you know, to a certain degree. Uh, <laughs> well, there's nothing like, you don't, you don't have, like, you don't have anything to like uh, compare it to. Right. right? They don't. Right. No, they well, really there's, don't. No, there's no intellectual way to explain that to someone. No. Absolutely yeah. not. Absolutely not. I, and then, and then, even like my my heart for ministry in worship was one of supernatural encounter with Jesus. I mean, that's not that's not even in you know for them. It's about you know having a, a having a, a music a music praise team that isn't so bad that it distracts people. Do you know? And I'm just like, what? <laughs> it's not actually quite what. I'm, you know? So there's just yeah. so many disconnects happening there all at the one time and. Um, having grown up going soul survivor and, know, and encountering God in times of musical worship in like powerful, powerful ways. That's what I wanted to do. And, and nobody was doing it, you know? Mm. So that's really, yeah. Cool. The thing that strikes me is that it's like you were in a season where maybe you didn't feel this way, but you were remaining faithful, even though it felt very dry. And mm. how often do we feel like, we can only really serve the Lord when we're feeling it, right? When we're like mm -hmm. on fire and we're going for it. And yet the Lord takes us through these seasons of, yeah, sometimes I'm not feeling it, but I also didn't give up on it. And so, uh, yeah, just that's a really neat picture how, yeah, you didn't give up on it. You might, you might not have felt very faithful, but that's the Lord, how he works in our lives, right? Mm. Yeah, so true. Yeah, so true. Yeah. yeah. It, it, the first thing that pops to my mind as you're sharing is like the Moses and the burning bush, you know, like Moses just out in the field, like doing like literally nothing. <laughs> He's just like, and it's been 30 years since anything, mm -hmm. having anything to do with God. And then God gives him this, this, like, it's a major call on his life. Mm -hmm. And he just kind of shifts gears and that, that kind of 
it just reminds me a little bit about your story, right? You're just kind of, you know, just kind of doing your thing and then boom, here it comes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I do wonder sometimes who God calls. He calls all types of people, but I think that he, in my experience, there has to be an element that you have to be willing to take a risk, you know? And, and I think, you know, so like Moses, he was resistant. He didn't want to, he didn't want to lead the Israelites, you know, and, he, and even when he did do it, he would have Aaron do all the talking because he didn't want to do that either. But it's like, but, it, but what he did do regularly was even though he was resistant and reluctant, he would just lay it all on the line and take huge risks, you know, um, for, and I just, I just feel and believe that that is the call of God. It's like, will you jump off this cliff? Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah. And will you trust me that I'll catch you, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's so little to do with like your ability and skills and, you know, and all the things that we put all of our hours training into in degrees. And, mm -hmm. and he's like, no, will you just do something crazy, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> for, yeah. for the kingdom? It's so true. <laughs> we have, we have a joke. Um, we haven't said it in a while because we haven't pastored here in a, in a few months, but we, we all, I would always say I'm 49% sure that God's going to take care of us. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping I'm to get to 51%. 51%. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sure that For sure. Work. <laughs> For sure. True. Um, so, yeah. So you feel this call and, and into worship ministry. So now you're entering into the ministry zone, you know, the right. local church zone and right. you're on the other side of it now. Right. You're, you're not the attendee at the conference. Who's kind of, I don't know, it's a bad way to put it, but enjoying, you know, what's going on mm -hmm. now you're kind of taking the ball and running. So yeah. What was that like? It was, it was exciting at the time, I think, because things fell into place and I ended up, you know, God kind of brought me into contact with some people. I ended up at this young church plant and they were so desperate for a worship leader and they had a very similar vision to what I wanted to do. And so I had an awful lot of freedom to do things. And in the midst of that, they brought me onto all these different levels of leadership in that kind of young church, um, which then grew to be like a quite a big established church. And so I was able to grow and like learn a lot of things just through practice i, I think ministry yeah I, I i love building things from scratch and so i had that i had the opportunity to do that i didn't know that at the time i'd never done ministry before and, and i didn't know enough i didn't have enough insight about myself to know that i love doing those kind of things but i think having that blank canvas and just being able to start something and build it from nothing is what I enjoy doing the most whenever I get to a point of maintaining stuff is when I start looking around, just being like, okay, what's, what's next? <laughs> get bored, right? exactly I do, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> that is exactly what Dan does. I'm sometimes I'm like, can we just finish starting this thing before we start the other thing? Is that, yeah, and you got to have them oh, layered, you know, you start yeah, one you, and then you got oh, the other one just kind of right behind going. it. Yeah, Andy knows what I'm talking about. Yeah, the way it is. <laughs> yeah. I think so, some people are just wired like that, right? And I didn't know. I had no idea I was wired like that. I was just—I spent my life training to be a doctor. That you don't really yeah. get to entrepreneur things in the medical field very often, you know. So, yeah. so yeah, I think the ministry was it, that transition was was good and um, enjoyed it and uh, learned so much and had just great friends, especially in that first staff team I was in. Had some, developed some really deep close friendships who are still my close friends and yeah ministry was and, and on, honestly at the time there was just so much to do 
there was so much ground to be taken in terms of worship ministry and and learning how to incorporate the prophetic into worship and um, all these things that I'd seen modeled uh, in my experience growing up, you know, especially in the kind of soul survivor movement. Well, that was all, that never really reached Scotland in that way. And, and also that kind of spirit led prophetic, even spontaneous worship was not, it was just not really being pushed anywhere. And so I had, I think for many, many years, I always felt there was, there was, there was more to do, you know, and actually, if I'm honest, I really enjoyed big church. Like, I think I enjoyed the the buzz of it. I enjoyed like the corporateness of it. I enjoyed the, just, I enjoyed this feeling of togetherness. Like I really loved it, especially in like times of corporate worship where like the spirit would move and, you know, people would be healed or receive prophetic words or, or just, or just worship just broke out in just really intimate way um you know with that's always been my pursuit is intimacy with god at the time i could not have verbalized that but looking back on it it was this constant pursuit for intimacy and closeness with god in the belief that in that in his presence is where we're actually changed where we're transformed and reformed and and so i really loved it for a long long time Mm -hmm. but but something happened yeah 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 so you you, (laughs) the honeymoon's over right or maybe i shouldn't say that the season has kind of you know something happens in your mind because you're not doing worship anymore no well in in that in that manner not in that manner no no yeah yeah so so what happened what what yeah yeah so something clicked um, a few years ago. So, so you have to understand as well that for us, the, this moving out of big church into more decentralized, you know, simple church or church network or was is, is still quite a new thing, you know, f- for me. It must have been, I don't know, 2015, 2016. I just felt, I was reading an article actually and I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, you're going to go plant, you're going to church plant. And, and up until that point, I really didn't want to do that. I, I didn't have a desire to be like the main person really leading anything. I quite liked having the freedom to kind of work under other people, but like, you know, pioneer new things. So I like, okay, fine. I kind of shelved it in my mind and thought that's, that, that'd be in 10 years. And then through a, a multitude of things, through meeting Bill Randall, who I think you guys have spoken to as well. Uh, he was, I met him at a conference and invite, asked him if he would kind of mentor me. And so that was happening. And we were starting to have conversations. I joked with him about church planting. I didn't realize that was such a dangerous thing to do. Um, <laughs> I was like, one day, haha, church planting. But he took that, he took that quite seriously, unbeknownst to me um, in, the, in the early days. And then, but, but really, even at that point, honestly, I, I just thought I'm going to be planting a more traditional church. I just thought I could do church better. You know, I had that mm-hmm. kind of arrogant, I could do this, but I could do it much better. You know? um, oh, man. Yeah, I've been there. God, um, God's gift to ministry. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then talking through Bill, I think I think Bill really started to like just prod and poke and make me question what would be helpful. Like what like what is actually going to work? What what is going to impact a post-Christian nation that has largely rejected God? And the statistics show that, you know, 90 to 95% of people just will never come to a church service. So wow. what, what's actually going to impact that, you know? And so we started having those conversations. They were really uncomfortable for me at the beginning. I didn't want to do it. Like I, I you know, I had this idea of what we were going to do and it wasn't what Bill was painting a picture of. And, 
But I think over time, and the more I sat with that and prayed about it, I, I came, I was starting to come around to that way of thinking, but it was really uncomfortable. And actually, I think the, the pivotal moment for me, or one of the pivotal moments was um, when we started doing an alt call in our church service. And I have no problem with, you know, give your hand up if you want to give your life to Jesus, alt calls. I probably became a Christian like that, you know, in, in a big festival. I think they can be effective. Yeah, I have no, I have nothing like theologically or morally against that at all. But I remember just week after week standing up playing music, you know, during that period, looking out at the hundreds of people that were, you know, gathered in our church service, just struck by the fact we're doing an altar call to a room full of Christians. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> um, <laughs> the, <laughs> Yeah. Like if this is our missional strategy, and to be fair, that's not the only missional strategy that church had, but like it just, it just, it was just very stark to me that our missional strategy was get people into church services. And, and I just came to a realization that I no longer had belief that that strategy was going to work. And that was probably a turning point for me where it's like, okay, well, if not this, then what? Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, we, we had that. We we had a similar uh, experience. Uh, we kept doing Easter services over and over and over, and I just kind of got to the point of like, man, I'm just entertaining Christians. Like, why are, why are we spending all this money and all this time? And I got to assume in in Scotland, you know, Easter is the big thing, right? With the flowers and you do all this. Probably yeah, pretty yeah. similar. And like, is this really like? When Jesus rose from the grave, I mean, is this when he said, hey, guys, you know, you guys are going to have some really beautiful services to commemorate this day. <laughs> like, yeah. is that really what he was doing? And so I, I love your idea of the altar call. Like, it's it's a beautiful thing. But, like, who are we calling exactly to the altar? Like, That's right. And just what you know, yeah. just what you were saying, I have, a, I have a friend called Ken. He's also part of PI. And he that was at one of his teaching things a couple of years ago. And one of his just, he said this line and it's just stuck with me ever since, you know, he's like, Jesus died. He died for his church. He died for his bride. He did not die for a church service. And that is what most of us, when we say church, that's what we think of immediately. We're like church building church service. You know, we equate this meeting with the word church. So that is the church. And Jesus didn't die for that. He didn't die so that we can, have the Easter yeah, services exactly. or, you know, he died for his church, the people, and it's the yeah. people, the community of believers and the people that are not yet believers that he died for. And that's, that's our mission. That, that's what he has given us. That's the bit of his kingdom that we, that we curate, you know, to go make disciples. And so I think it's really hard to look at the way that we do big church services and from that angle, I find that really difficult. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It's hard to not, for me, like to get um, like cynical and jaded a little bit with, especially, well, I don't know how much mega church happens in the UK, but you know, where we are, it's kind of like bigger is better. Yeah. So um, yeah, it's hard to not get a little bit like profity hellfire and brimstone yeah i know what you mean i mean we don't have <laughs> we don't have like the kind of mega churches you have and that right that big but there's that that attitude is definitely mm-hmm. there and i get it as well you know like if you're doing something leading something and you have you know a thousand people in the room it feels better to you you know as someone that is it it feels like it's a thing because you've mm-hmm. got a crowd 
Mm-hmm. But just because we, ha- I think just, it's that thing, isn't it? That just because we have a crowd doesn't mean we're making disciples. Yeah, that's very true. So I think that was the point of like no return for me is that just get to that point where my faith in the system of the kind of industrial church complex is I was moving on. It's like, I don't, I, I don't think this is going to reach post-Christian Western Europe the way that yeah. we hope it will. Yeah. Yeah, I think you know one of the things we've been saying over and over is like I'm not trying to throw the it's American slang. My apologies, but you know you throw the baby out with the bathwater. Like we're just gonna we're gonna level everything that is and start over. That's not really our heart. It's just like mm-hmm. do do we really believe if we do more and better church services that that's gonna reach you know yeah. the the other the people that aren't going to come to services like that's just that's insanity so we have to be willing to do creative expressions of church and we have to be able to you know we, we want to legitimize those things mm-hmm. so let me let me let me kind of continue on the conversation and I'll share a quick story I have a, a very very good friend of mine um, that went to the University of Edinburgh for his PhD in uh, theological studies and as you know it's one of the leading universities really in the world. And I remember exactly how it came about, but he had an internship at a a local church there. Mm -hmm. And he was sharing the story with me. It was decades ago. He was sharing the story with me about like how insignificant he felt because the pulpit that he was preaching behind was more than a thousand years old, Mm -hmm. like the actual pulpit. And it got him to thinking like how many other people have stood in this pulpit and preached and in the States, you know, like if our church is 10 years old, like that we've been around for a long time, right? right. And so, but here you are, you're going into Scotland. And I mean, you have like, you have a church culture that's not just like a generation, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's hundreds and thousands of years. And here you come in saying, no, we're going to try something different. Like what, what is that like? <laughs> That's a really good question. So I think that, I think that to, to answer that question, you kind of have to look at the state of the church in, in Scotland and in, yes, in Europe. Um, I actually think that the UK is slightly distinct from the rest of Western Europe. Um, but the church in Scotland is is in such steep and dramatic decline that I have heard ministers in the Church of Scotland. I've even, I've heard, in fact, this is like through another friend who's a minister in Church of Scotland. Other ministers have said to him that their job, so these are like the pastors in the Church of Scotland, that their job is to manage a state of orderly decline in the church. That's their job. That's how they see their job. Now, that's not every person in, you know, in, but that that is the, it is tanking, Um, like absolutely tanking. But, it's an institution and it's an institution that's woven into the fabric of the country and it's woven into the fabric of the government. And it's also woven into culture, like faith is woven into culture in a toxic way, especially in Glasgow. So um, in Glasgow, you have two football teams. I don't know if you've heard of them, like two, you call them soccer teams, um, mm-hmm. Rangers and Celtic. And if you identify as a Protestant in the city, you support Rangers. And if you identify as a Catholic in the city, you, you support Celtic. Yeah, yeah. But like wow. people die over this, like the, all the gangs yeah. kind of arrange themselves around this. Like there's regular stabbings at the football matches. It's not as bad as it used to be, but there's this sectarian 
religious i use that in quotes because it has nothing to do with jesus like religious divide in the city so but this is like the this is like the religious baggage that's here in in the nation and then we come along and do something new and there are some people that are just ready for that you know i would say like the under 30s are the generation under 30s in scotland is moving to the point of becoming um, unchurched rather than de-churched because the, a lot of them have had no contact with the church whatsoever they have not they've not they were never taken to church their parents had already given up you know, you know their parents their parents parents had already given up on church so you, they're getting to a point where you have a younger generation coming through that's actually curious they're spiritually curious and they're not necessarily carrying the religious baggage that the older generations are carrying so there's there's a there's weird divides in our in our culture over here. There's the older religious generation, and I use that word religious quite loosely, in that a lot of it is cultural religiosity, not faith in Jesus. But within that, you obviously do have people that really do love and follow Jesus. And then the younger generation coming through is totally different. And so the younger generation coming through, they really get what we're doing. Like that, it makes sense to them you know that's cool yeah. the old the older folk maybe not so much <laughs> <laughs> for sure not so much I think right? we've seen similar things here too just in the sense i would say that the younger generation i think they want something authentic mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and so even even for us we're not post-christian the way scotland is for sure we're getting there Mm-hmm. I'm sure I'm sure it will happen if you know if it keeps going um but even with uh mega churches and the big productions on Sunday mornings more young people you know may not really want to go to that because mm-hmm. to them it's just all a show like none of that's yeah. real you know mm-hmm. yeah i think that's i think that is true I mean, I mean, I think that, that there are still some people that do connect, you know, th- through that. And that's, you know, that mm-hmm. I think that's totally OK. But I but I think you're right. And I think that there is a I, I think that millennials and younger, they sniff out fake a mile away and they don't yeah. want, want anything to do with it. Yeah, it's um, very true. So you're realizing we're going to go do something different. And so you launch out and you jump off the cliff, as you said (laughs) earlier, you're midair off the cliff. So what did it turn into? I mean, what are you guys doing? How, how did you reorient things? Um, What are, what, you know, what are the struggles that you had? Um, You and I have talked in previous conversations about how you're not an expert, right? Like, not an expert yeah, yeah. So i do not what, have what degrees that? in this <laughs> i yeah. don't have a phd yeah um, so yeah what did god birth what are you guys what are you guys doing yes yeah, so i think ultimately what's happened i i think we probably launched with an idea of being like a networked local church like a, a local church made up of kind of missional groups or missional communities we've actually probably moved further away from that into being no actually what our hope is to plant you know new expressions of of church that, that are independently autonomous but we choose to be network with each other um ideally from the harvest you know so what we mean by that that's that's PI speak. That's 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 pioneering <laughs> initiative speak. Is yeah. uh, the organ- the net the network we're involved with. It, but really, what it means is that instead of like taking a whole bunch of believers and starting a you know a service and attracting as many people as you can to that, really finding finding people that are spiritually curious 
um, helping them in their discovery process of finding Jesus and their multiplication of their of their friends and their networks and their disciple. They're ultimately kind of becomes like a discipleship group, right? That could self-identify then as a church. You know, at some point, I do still have a heart for starting local churches, um, but I just think they need to look different. Um, mm-hmm. And they need to be self-replicating in order to reach the vast population, you know, that's just not going to come to the, one of the traditional church services. But we do still use the term church. So our, we talk about micro churches. We looked at what, what is the minimum ecclesiology, you know, so like what what is the minimum that you need for a group of people to be a church, the ecclesia, you know, the called out ones. What is that, you know? Do you need elders? Do you need, you know, like we've been through all this kind of, kind of boiled it down to like, what is the bare minimum? Um, mm. And so that's what we are right now. We are a network of, we have three microchurches. One of our challenges that we discussed before is that we started with 30 believers, which is difficult. So if you want to start churches from the harvest, it's difficult to do that when you have 30 believers because you have essentially a mini church, mini like, you know, group of people that has all the the dynamics and perceived needs that you have within a church, you know, like pastoral care and yeah, all that stuff. And so I think our big challenge has been like, how do we transition this ourselves? And I, I include me in this as well. How do we transition ourselves from people who consume this thing called that we call church to people that identify as missionaries and can live lives on mission and be people who make disciples that make disciples and that that is our primary expression of of church of being God's people rather than attending something and that 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 transition is which we thought would take a few months has taken us like three years it's taken a long time yeah well we can see that too because we're only six months out from our church experience and leaving and we just find because there's only we only know this one way, you know, of doing church, really. Mm-hmm. And we find ourselves you just kind of naturally float or you drift, do. right? Back <laughs> you over, do. You totally do. This and that and this. And then we're like, wait, no, that's church. Stop it. We have yeah, to yeah. think of something else. So <laughs> it's like encouraging and also like, oh, wow, that's a long haul to be three years in. Right. And still, yeah. I guess we call it detoxing a little bit because. Yeah, you yeah. have to. It's a different way of thinking. It is a different way of thinking, and you're totally right. So I think that everybody just gravitates towards what they know, and so if mm-hmm. like, okay, let's get together in this. Let's meet. Okay, how well you know we've we've left church, but we still have to meet. So what are we going to do when yeah. we meet? You know, and then yeah. you do it for a couple months, and you find actually you're just doing another church service, but in your house instead of in like, well, well, hang on, so this wasn't what we were supposed to be doing, and then you, right. you know, and it, it's just this kind of constant this constant process of like well if not this then what you know and and we find that we're actually we're actually addicted to some things like if we don't have a let's just say if we don't have like a 30 40 minute sermon you know once a week if we don't have a you know for us it would be like you know a prolonged worship set if we don't have if we don't have all these things that we're used to we we suddenly feel like well hang on a second I'm not being fed and I'm not you know um, yeah and the thing is that it's not just like the people that followed us felt this I felt this and I'm leading the thing you know and with with Adam and so I, I it's just such a it's just a bit of a mind 
meld you know like kind of moving yeah. out of that <laughs> and get to the point where you can do other things and not feel guilty about it you know mm. and yeah uh yeah it's it's a real it, it's a real battle yeah i i sat down two days ago i think a couple of days ago and i was thinking about you know we have a we have a little gathering and i was like okay what am i going to share about and i immediately went into like sermon series mode right <laughs> so like okay so i need to plan out 6 weeks and we're going to go through this book and like what graphics should we get and i was just like whoa 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 like what hold on a second like is that really what we're doing like <laughs> we're yeah. just doing it on a smaller scale right and i got to get i got to get it out on facebook and i got to do all that kind of stuff and and it's just like you just have to reset like oh no 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 hold on hold on hold on hold on that's that's not fundamentally what we're doing and then i have to remind myself that's a lot of hours invested in that way of doing ministry and is that where I want to put my hours? Is that where I believe that Jesus is calling his church to put to put time? Wouldn't my time better be spent praying over the city and walking around you know, City Hall? Wouldn't my time be better spent with with spiritually sensitive people? I think for me, that's where it's it's really like where is my time spent? Do I really want to spend 10 hours on a sermon? Like, is that for, I want to spend 10 hours on a 45 minute sermon. Like that doesn't seem, you know, <laughs> doesn't seem very yeah. efficient, you know? Right. Um, yeah. So I don't know if you guys are experiencing anything similar, like where are we spending our time? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that has been, so when Adam and I sit down, that's a conversation we, we regularly have. It's maybe not a conversation we regularly have with our whole, you know, community. But even with that, I think that we, when you move out with a group, there has to be an element of like, you need to allow time for that transition to happen. Um, and we, you know, we prod and poke them. And my wife calls our expression of church, she calls it awkward church, because <laughs> it's... I, th I think it's affectionately, I think she affectionately calls yeah. it awkward church. It's partly because we ask our people to do things that are really outside of their box. And, and part of it is about breaking that box and creating like new, this is kind of, this is ministry speak, isn't it? But creating new ministry paradigms, you know, or new kind of life paradigms, you know, for how we live out being the people of God. And so I, th I think by no means have we nailed this, but I think we try and see everything through the filter of this thing that we're doing, whatever it is, you know, be it a meeting or this or that, like this thing that we're doing, is it equipping us to be missionaries? Mm -hmm. And like, and more than just in theory, you know, like it has to be in praxis as well, you know? So, so how do we do that? I remember like really early, really early on when we were trying to figure out what to do with our meeting time. So we went through a phase of like, how do you pray for people? Like, how do you pray for healing for somebody that doesn't know Jesus? Mm. Do you know, yeah. how could you, how do you pray for somebody when they're not, the, you know, when, you know, them putting their hands out and you putting your hands on them and you're using all this spiritual jargon where that's not normal and they, you know, they think you're psychotic for saying those things, you know, so. Yeah, why are you putting your hands on me? Right, this, like, yeah. exactly, exactly. They have laws against things like that. Exactly. Right? <laughs> oh my. So it's, it's just kind of rewiring us. So rewiring for like everything through the lens of, um, of how, like, how do we be encouraged ourselves? Yes, but how do we make disciples? How do we take the this, relationship that we know 
that is with with God that is life transforming and actually share it with people and make that the normal of what we do and and make that the focus of our lives and our and the focus of our church lives and not the focus being showing up to a meeting mm. but that, that is just you're asking what, what we're asking because we're so not used to it because we're so not used to actually being Christians, we don't. So we don't even use that term anymore. We don't even really use the term Christian because it means something. I think it's, it's become to mean something that it didn't originally mean. You know, to be a Christian, to be a follower of Jesus. Like if we just read what it meant for the disciples to be a follower of Jesus, it's ridiculous. Nobody mean when someone says oh, I'm a Christian, they don't mean that because that's insane. And I and I feel like yes, but that insaneness is actually what we're called to be and to do. So, so yeah, we, we, we just call that being a missionary just because mm-hmm. it's a slightly different word and we get to redefine the meaning of it. But, but I think that's it. It's like we're retraining ourselves to be actual Jesus followers and not consumers of a thing. Mm, um, that's really good. And that's just, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's good and it's, and it's so rewarding. It's really hard sometimes. Yeah. You you used in your article the idea of you know we we have to deconstruct church right mm-hmm. um, could you just maybe give a little bit on like what do you mean by that what what did you mean when you when you said that so I, I think on every level we have to deconstruct church in that so my first question when people when I start having conversations is, with people is can we just what do you when you say the word church what do you actually mean by it you know. Mm. Because um, even now, like even now as we're having this conversation, I gravitate towards using the, the word church to describe a church service. Or Absolutely, what do yeah. you do at church? What do you mean at church? How can you be at the people of God? Do you know what I mean? It's like, so our very <laughs> thinking like around church is broken. Like it, it doesn't, it doesn't mean what it's supposed to mean. And so I think for us, we've we've had those conversations. I think we we've spent quite a lot of time in our community asking the question, "What is church?" When we say that word, what do we mean? What is our what is our minimum ecclesiology? What are the fundamental things that need to be in place for the church to be church, or for or even for our church to be church? And and taking our presuppositions, because as soon as you say that, people start saying, and I, I I've had these conversations a lot of them and people start saying well for church to be church you need to have teaching and for church to be church you have to have worship and for church to be church you have to have you know kids ministry and for church to be church i'm just like well hang on <laughs> well gotta have I, coffee and donuts yeah yeah exactly <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, i feel like we're talking about two different things what do you mean you're not describing church you're describing a meeting you know like yeah like, and so i think de- that deconstruction happens at every level and the most difficult thing is whilst you're deconstructing it, you're also still meeting together. <laughs> and those meetings yeah. tend to gravitate towards what we've always done. And so you're in this kind of, yep. so you're at the meeting that you've always done, talking about not doing what we've always, and it's just like, what? <laughs> like, what is happening? Like, <laughs> like the matrix. It is yeah. like a circular like thing. <laughs> But yeah. I feel like gradually over time you start it starts to sink in and you and you start to get it, you know. And and so we have these three micro churches now, and they are literally they're, they're nearly all in formational stage, but they're they're brainstorming who they're going to be about, you know, like what what they're going to be about, and they're not talking anymore about what our meetings going to be like. They're talking about how do we reach the people that God has called us to reach. How do we? And well, some of them are even the point is who is God 
called us to reach you know Mm -hmm. who has god put in our heart or what injustice has god put in our hearts where we can bring the kingdom of god but only now is the conversation really getting to that point where we can even have that only now have we got to the point where we're becoming less addicted to the things that make up the meeting and and some of us have found that easier than others like in in, in any community there's some people that are storming on ahead and others that are taking a bit longer so yeah yeah well there's there's a real beauty in what you're saying about not having it figured out because i mean you know you weren't local church ministry for a long time. I mean, there's a, there's a conference for everything, right? Just come mm-hmm. to our conference and listen to a few speakers and then you can get church in a box on the way, the way out. And, you know, if you're going to start a church, there's hundreds of organizations that just come with us and you'll have it all figured out. And then you go out and give the church your vision. And this is exactly what we're right. going to do. And, and I mean, I think even that model needs to be deconstructed, right? Like mm-hmm. it's, it's just like, let's just get together and let's listen for the Holy spirit. Like, wow, that's like, that's revolutionary, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, the, but when you saw the 120 in the upper room and the Holy spirit fall, I mean, wasn't that what they were doing? You know, they didn't come from a point of like, okay, Peter got his whiteboard and okay. So first we're going to do that. Like, they're just like confused people mm-hmm. that are just trying to hear God. And I'm hearing that's what you guys are just, confused people, you know, I mean, intelligent, right. But just confused about what God wants you to do and let's hear him together. Um, Absolutely. I own that. Like I, that there's, I think after you, you always start something with a big grand plan. I, I think if you're a person that likes to start things, there's always like an idea, a vision that's exciting and, and you plan it out, you know, two years, four years, five years. So like in your mind, I'm going to be here and Oh my goodness. And I think that, our experience of doing what we're doing, especially in the context we're doing it, that gets stripped away really quick. And you're left with, what you're left with, this is hard, living on mission. If you speak to anybody that has been doing anything like what we're doing for any period of time, they'll say they'll say that mission, to, to live, I want me my mission is to live constantly asking God that question of like, who, who do you want me to, show your gospel to in word, deed, and power? Who do you want me to, you know, constantly living that outward looking life? It is exhausting and it is, and it never gets easier. (laughs) But. Well, thank you for the hope, Andy. I appreciate that. (laughs) It's rewarding. And, but but what what I'm trying to say is you get to a point where you need, you, you actually need the spirit of God. Like you're desperate for the spirit of God because you get to a point where like, I cannot make this happen. I can't make stuff happen. I can't make people believe in Jesus. I can't make this relationship I have with my neighbor. And that's where prayer becomes so much more real. So what you're saying about, you know, going to the upper room and seeking the Holy spirit, that becomes not just like a cool thing to do. That becomes like, we have to do this because we have nothing else. Yeah. And and I, I think it's not that, it's not that good ideas good strategy god uses all of that and it's not that those don't mean anything and and i tend to think strategically and so like that i I believe that's a god-given gift but it is it becomes dry and empty without just that desperation for for god and for the movement of his kingdom and for the movement of his spirit and uh, yeah and it's this constant back and forth between 
strategy and trying new things and then just like jesus help us <laughs> it's kind of like the, this kind of, this yeah. sway of stuff yeah yeah you haven't gotten started until you're on your knees saying jesus help me yeah that's for sure um so yeah i think as we bring our time to a close i i just wanted to kind of have you comment on one final thing if if there's someone listening to this and and they're kind of resonating with what you're saying and and uh whether they're in that spiritual dryness season that you were in and they feel a call or whether they are feeling like church needs to be deconstructed and what's their role, what would be your word of encouragement for someone like that, you know, who's, who's kind of in similar spots that you were uh, a little while ago? Yeah. I mean, I think my first encouragement would be you're not alone. So yeah, hear that. You're not alone in that God is with you. And also you're not alone in the, in the, the people of God. There are people that are experiencing what you're experiencing. The holy discontent that you're experiencing is starting to happen around the globe. And I believe it's a move of God to bring renewal to the church. And so actually he's calling you into his purposes. He's giving you an opportunity to, to follow, to be obedient. And I think the second thing I would say is that to do anything like that, to, to respond to anything like that, means jumping off the cliff it means taking a risk and you never know what's going to happen but i i've never taken a risk for god and it not i I mean things have not worked out in the way that i expected them to but like he's never not been there he's never not had that or um never not provided you know for for us and so i think my encouragement would be find someone else find someone else that feels that way um I, I guarantee you there will be other people and um just follow god's voice if that means spending ages just trying to find god's voice and hear it that's fine but follow his voice seek him and um then take a risk all right thank you sir thank you Appreciate thanks it. for having me yeah Kristen, yeah, you have you any final things calling. No, so good. That was great. Thank you yeah. so much for sharing. Thanks for having yeah. me. Yeah. yeah, thank you, Andy. We we certainly appreciate it. And and um, if someone wanted to maybe either contact you or find out a little bit more about what's going on in Glasgow and uh, what you guys are doing, how, how, how would you suggest they go about doing that? Sure. I mean, you can email me directly. My email is andy at thegatheringchurch.co.uk. Um, and then our email, our website is not quite ready. It, we're literally in the final stages, but um, I'll, I'll put it out anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> it is, uh, so our, our website when it's up is uh, www.thegatheringnetwork.co.uk. Okay. And you are, you know, elephant, you know, not the elephant room, but you are a self-funded missionary. (laughs) So if someone wanted to, you know, their heart was moved and they wanted to support what you all were doing in Glasgow and support you and your family, how would they go ahead and do that? Uh, The best way at the moment is to email me and then, um, yeah, we'll go from there. Our funding pages on on our website are not quite ready yet. So, but if you, if God puts that on your heart, find me an email. Yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. Well, thanks again, my friend. Appreciate it. 
Thank you, Andy. Thank you. Blessings. So thank you so much for joining us on this uh, episode of the Only on a Sunday podcast. Um, next time, we'll talk about some of the new models of ministry being pioneered around the world. We'll get into a little bit more about what Andy talked about with pioneering initiatives, um, starting churches from the field, uh, prayer, the dynamics of gospel movements, how all that works out. Uh, if you haven't already, please subscribe to our podcast and feel free to check out what we're doing at the lowrysonmission.org or on Facebook at the Lowry's on Mission. And so once again, thanks for joining us and we will see you next time. Bye.